Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor, FightfulMMA.com, and it is a big week. We are hot off the heels of International Fight Week. We're hot off the heels of Fightful's third birthday. I remember uh, the first week, me and Joe did two or three different shows, covering two or three different shows. It was just a complete uh, mayhem of a week. John Jones had been popped for whatever the hell it was that he popped for at that time. We had three back-to-back nights of shows. We had a two-hour preview, and now here we are talking about John Jones again, but in a far different manner. But I am joined by Showdown Joe. You can follow him at Joe A. Ferraro on Twitter. Joe, how's it going? Doing pretty good, man. What a crazy event on Saturday night and crazy week altogether. But uh, yeah, doing good. Hope you're doing good. Liking the, uh, the adjustment of the hair before we went on air. Looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Had to, had to change it up, but... UFC 239, it happened. I got a full review, but I'm here to, to see what you think of it, Joe. Uh, we're going to preview Bellator, Bud versus Ruben. We're going to preview UFC Sacramento. We're going to discuss the legacy of Jones and Nunez. Now, a programming note, guys, both this Saturday and the following Saturday, I will not have post shows. Uh, we have AEW's Fight for the Fallen this Saturday, so I'll be covering it. And the next week, I have a prior obligation and uh, I believe August 10th, Fight Night Uruguay, no post-show. So plan accordingly, guys. I'll be in Canada uh, for that. But there's a ton of events coming up. And, I mean, just in a few weeks, Joe, we got UFC 240, Holloway versus Edgar, a one-fight show if I've ever seen one. But <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and, and talk about UFC 239. John Jones emerges victorious. Barely. Yeah. Did you see that one coming? A five-round sustained fight where, for the first time ever, someone, and that someone being Tiago Santos, took a scorecard from John Jones? Yeah. I mean, I could have sworn Alexander Gustafson took a scorecard when they fought in Toronto, but I guess yeah. I was mistaken. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's – John Jones cho- chose not to use his wrestling uh, and went toe-to-toe with Tiago Santos and, and, you know, came away with a split decision with a guy that, you know, had basically – one functioning leg uh, was in a you know fair amount of pain, but with that adrenaline uh, and the fact that he's super tough, Thiago Santos, he just kept going, kept going, kept going. But um, you know, it, it was tough for Thiago, Thiago Santos to actually pick up the pace even more because of the injury. Uh, but maybe John Jones could have picked up the pace a little more to try and finish him off. Uh, it's a risky endeavor, obviously, with Thiago Santos. The minute you get within the phone booth range, you're, you know, you're going to be eating some punches. Uh, and I'm sure John felt a bit of that power throughout the fight. But um, you know, I. I don't, I'm not into the whole what ifs and what could have happened if you know if Thiago had a full you know if, if he was healthy the whole time. I mean, this is fighting; it, it, it happens, and that's what ended up taking place. But you got to give kudos to Thiago Santos, man. He took that scorecard away. Uh, you know, fought as best as he could, but John Jones did just enough to win. I scored the fight. Uh, I actually scored it four rounds to one for John Jones. Could have gave that last round to um, to Thiago Santos, making it three two John Jones. But other than that, I, I did score for John Jones uh, winning that fight. Yeah, and the majority of media did too. I think I was one of maybe 
gosh, 20% of people in the media that scored it for uh, Tiago Santos, but over half the fans scored it for Tiago Santos. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact how universally hated John Jones is by some people. I think that I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that, that doesn't play a role in this, but Tiago Santos showed that he belonged, Joe. Tiago Santos was a guy that a lot of people had said, oh, well, he's just there because they need a body there. No, he's there because he belongs there. I think he belongs there. I think Anthony Smith both belong there. And that makes me so happy, Joe, to see two middleweights who didn't need to cut that extra 20 pounds yep. doing so well. On this same show, we saw Michael Chiesa do very well at welterweight. Uh, Michael Bisping has even said it in the past. He thinks that weight cutting is going to go away almost completely because people are going to be like, damn, what am I doing? What, is this worth it? And we're starting to see with a lot of people, it's not always worth it, especially that giant gap between middleweight to light heavyweight. Tiago Santos did destroy his knee. Like the number of things that are wrong with his knee right now, I think it's ACL, PCL, MCL, meniscus. And he was on that knee so much that I was like, I don't know why the commentary is talking like he tore his ACL because there's no way. It is amazing he was able to do as much as he did with a completely destroyed knee, Joe. That same injury has left a female wrestler off of uh, WWE NXT for a year now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, ACL, you know, it's it's notoriously known as the career killer. Uh, you know, George St. Pierre uh, was, you know, took a long time to come back. Tom Brady had it. Uh, it can end careers for most athletes. If you don't have the, almost the near perfect recovery, surgery, whether you're using a graph or not, it's it's dangerous. And to do it in a fight, to have it happen to you in a fight like that and, and then multiple injuries to his knee, just says just what kind of tough guy this guy truly is. Uh, still remains one of my favorite fighters in the UFC to watch, hands down. Uh, I love watching Tiago Santos fight. Problem is, we didn't get the full Tiago Santos because of the injury. And, you know, almost, you know, half a man would have quit in there, right? Half a fighter would have said, you know what, looking for an excuse to go out, go down to the ground, let this guy choke me, I'll tap out. Uh, I lost by a choke. But no, he tried, he kept going, he kept going. And, you know, there were times, even at the beginning of the four, or fifth round, excuse me, where he came out guns a blazing. Just trying, trying, but it just wasn't enough. So uh, give him kudos. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's, we can break this down as many ways as possible. You know, in my opinion, John Jones, should, uh, should, you know, it's hard to say. I'm not the one in the cage fighting, but it would have been nice to see him finish. You know, how many times have we criticized other fighters when their opponent is visibly injured and they don't go in there for the finish? Uh, and here we have, you know, arguably the GOAT not doing it, right? So, you know, let's, let's, we, should, we should look at John Jones and say, dude, you should have finished this guy off. You had him busted up for 20 minutes, right? You should have destroyed this guy. You, had, you know, he, he, he was limping, and he was still able to, score, to take a scorecard from you. So uh, I think John should have picked the pace, but he decided to go toe-to-toe with a guy that's a you know, black belt in Muay Thai and stuff <laughs> like that. Okay, it is what it is. So I, I'm going to bat for Tiago Santos, 35 years old. And the thing I like about him, Joe, and especially after this weekend, if, if that fight didn't do enough for, for anybody, Joe, if somebody's still saying – well, Santos just got lucky. Well, Jones was playing with him. If anybody says that, take a look at his recent history, Joe, and how well his wins have aged. Eric Anders stuttered at light heavyweight. He got a big win. Jimmy Manuel, whatever. Jan Blahovich, look what he did on yeah. Saturday night. Uh, Tiago Santos finished him. Kevin Holland? How's Kevin Holland done since Tiago Santos? Well, he's went 3-0. and He's gone unbeaten. I think he won seven fight or three fights in seven months. It was unbelievable. Before he lost to David Branch, his two uh, wins were Anthony Smith. Yeah, that one aged very well. And Jack Hermanson. Yeah, that one aged really well. So you look at him and he's beaten really good guys in both divisions and I think that he belongs. Now we got to have the same conversation that we always have about John Jones. What is John Jones' legacy with the history of PED use Although officially, Joe, we, we must note all of his PED use was found to be either by negligence or uh, unintended, basically. All of it. Now, does that mean that I believe that? Not necessarily, but I think it's safe to say that. He just set a gaggle of records, most unbeaten uh, UFC championship fights. He tied the most title wins with GSP, uh, most title fight wins. 
He has the record, I believe, for uh, most consecutive fights unbeaten in the UFC. I got to say unbeaten because it's not winning streak because he has that overturned fight against Daniel Cormier. What is John Jones' legacy through all this? I think he's, you know, for the most part, he's always going to be remembered for that PED usage and, and stuff that he's done outside uh, of the cage as well as what he's done inside the cage. It's unfortunate because if none of that stuff happened, we're, we'd be talking about – I don't even think there'd be a conversation of, of him not being the GOAT, right? Like he's just – he'd be considered the greatest of all time no matter what. But with all the stuff that's happened outside of the cage, people will think about that. And, of course, all the PED stuff uh, and the other rumors that, that have been out there and what he's done – um, you know, even non-PED related with car accidents and, and items of that nature. So John Jones's legacy, in my opinion, will always have asterisks all over the place uh, with people thinking more negative than positive. We, we can't kid the fact that he's just he's gifted. I mean, the guy does things in the cage that no one should be able to do, but he's also super blessed with a body type that nobody can match. You know, you can't mimic that guy in training. Who, who are you going to get? Someone tall, someone lanky, they're not going to have the skill set that John Jones has because if they did, they'd be in the top 15, top 10, top 5, no matter what in that division, right? So it's very difficult to replicate when you're preparing for a guy like John Jones. Um, but the guy, you know, in the cage, magical. Outside of the cage, not so magical. So depending on how he perceives what being a champion means, he said that he wanted to become a 20-time champion. Now, To a lot of people, that means a lot of different things. To a lot of people, that means winning the title 20 times. Obviously, he means winning and defending it. He's at about 12, 13, depends on how you you count interims, depends on how you count the Cormier fight. That makes one think that he's going to fight seven or eight more times at least. Now, do I doubt that he can do it? No, I don't. Not at all. He's just 31. He'll be 32 next month. Or not next month, this month. This This month, like next week. Do you see him doing that? Do you see him actually fighting seven or eight more times? Because that's changed. He used to say mid-30s he was out, or early 30s he was out. I think he does want to fight two or three times a year, but every time he fights, we're always, like, you and I always talk about, is this fight actually going to happen? You know, like, there were people that were throwing out fake news stories out there that people were jumping on right away uh, over this past weekend about him being popped for something or the fight's off and this, this, and that. People were believing it. They were believing it, right? It's just the, the nature of a John Jones fight that you sit there and you think to yourself, is this fight going to happen? Is it really going to happen? And if you look at the guys in the top 15 right now at 205 pounds, there's no one really there that you think, you know what, he's going to beat John Jones. I mean, Daniel Cormier is listed at number one right now, right? But he's defeated Thiago Santos. He obviously, you know, not manhandled Anthony Smith, but just basically shut Anthony Smith down. Dominic Reyes is there. Uh, I don't know why Gustafson is still ranked at number five, but it's another story altogether. You know, you could look at Jan Blachowicz, but I, I don't think he's ready. Uh, Uzdemir, no. Corey Anderson, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, either Latifi sliding down the rankings. You know, he's already fought Glover Teixeira. Uh, then you get the guys from 11 to 15 that, you know, Johnny Walker might be a guy. He doesn't hurt himself in his post-fight celebrations. Uh, you know, Ratchet is there. Uh, he's already defeated who? Oh, that's how he became the champ. Uh, and, you know, do you really think Nikita Krylov and Sirkinov are ever going to get a title shot? Hell no. Not today. Not in this day and age. A lot of things will need to happen and need to change for that to happen. But, again, you're talking about a guy that's super blessed and with, with, with a frame that's very difficult to deal with. And he's able to cut weight. People back in the day would complain so much that it's not fair. It's not fair that Johnny Bones Jones can fight at 205 pounds. He's a natural heavyweight. He should be fighting at heavyweight. He shouldn't be allowed to cut weight. This whole weight cutting thing, um, you know, even though Michael Bisping said it, it's been something Andy Foster, the California State Athletic Commission, and the whole association uh, of boxing commissions have been talking about for quite some time, where eventually they're going to start, you know, measuring, you know, fighters in their bodies and the water in their bodies and maximum minimums and maximums that they can compete at constant measuring and monitoring like USADA does right now with their um, you know uninvited test sort of thing and, and random testing same thing with the commission so it, I think eventually you're going to start seeing different guys and, di- and girls in different weight classes more natural less weight cutting and I think it should have happened a long long time ago I hope it happens even sooner but until it happens we're going to still see guys and girls with drastic weight cuts that affect their performance for the most part 
So John Jones has said that he is open to fighting at heavyweight. He's open to fighting Daniel Cormier at heavyweight. That's where the fight needs to happen in my estimation, Joe. We've seen it twice at light heavyweight. I don't need to see it again there. I, I don't. And I don't need to see John Jones even lose a title that he deservedly has. And Daniel Cormier might not deserve another chance at it. Depends on what you think because he did vacate his title. So, But he, he hasn't – Daniel Cormier hasn't had a light heavyweight fight in quite a while. Not that that ever stops the UFC. But his last one was a year and a half ago. So, I mean, you could you could argue, yeah, I'd, I'd be okay if, if see, he got that based on merit. But it got it's got to happen at heavyweight, Joe. I, I don't want to see this fight at 205. Yeah, I mean, it, at 205, we, we, we know the results pretty much. I mean, even though the second time they did compete, Daniel Cormier did much, much better until he got caught with that head kick. So, again, it all depends. And, and you know, Daniel Cormier's got other problems right now. He's got Stipe Miocic. And if he gets past Stipe Miocic and he's still the heavyweight champion, he's got Francis Ngannou, right? So there are there are options for Daniel Cormier. Uh, it's almost like, you know, John Jones needs Daniel Cormier more than Daniel Cormier needs John Jones at this point in time, right? So it'll be interesting to know to see what is going to happen next for John Jones. But we, I mean, I've talked about it for years, even before uh, we became a company <clears throat> here. Back when I was on the TV show, I always said John Jones eventually is going to have to move to heavyweight. And... It seems like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Amanda Nunes knocked out Holly Holm. Not a lot more you can say about it. Amanda Nunes won. Holly Holm did not. Uh, Holly Holm, you know, she's, as far as perception, it's rough. She should have been the first featherweight champion. She should have beat Jermaine Durandamy. She earned that. Amanda Nunez is the best female fighter of all time in my estimation. But if you want to argue with me and say Valentina Shevchenko actually is, even even though there are two fights that on paper say otherwise, Joe, I could be talked into it. There are, at points, I could have been talked into Joanna. Now, granted, Joanna uh, lost to Shevchenko with, like, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. So I think that eliminates her. Ronda Rousey, not in the conversation anymore. I, I can't put Cyborg in that conversation because outside of Holly Holm, I don't look at a lot of great fighters. Marlos Kunin and Holly Holm are her two best victories. Okay, those are very good. Amanda Nunes, Joe, has beaten Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg, Pennington, Shevchenko, uh, Rousey, Tate, McMahon, she has beaten every single UFC Bantamweight and Featherweight champion and every Bellator Featherweight champion. Oh, by the way, she's also beaten who should be the only UFC Flyweight champion. And there's a real good possibility if Nico Montano can reel three off, she's beaten the other one too. (laughs) Joe, what? Amanda Nunes, what's left? Uh, at the moment, nada. Right, there isn't much left for her. But um, being a two division champ, there are option, options for her. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of paying very close attention uh, to some of the fights that are going to be taking place shortly uh, with some of the ladies that are booked. So uh, it remains to be seen what will happen in that division. Um, but yeah, if you're asking me to pick, if I had no choice but to pick, you got to pick one. Who is the greatest of all time, Amanda Nunes or Valentina Shevchenko? I will say Amanda Nunes. I will say it. It's it's it, she is the greatest of all time. But for me, not for everybody, but for me, that asterisk of Valentina Shevchenko because of the first two fight or the two fights that they had, especially the last one that I scored for Valentina, leads me to believe that some way somehow these two ladies are going to meet again. Where I don't know, how I don't know. It's got to be at one thirty five. But Valentina does have some work in her division. Uh, to clean that up, right, to make sure that there's no more contenders, even though the contenders that are there right now, um, you know, she's probably going to beat them anyways. But eventually these two uh, are going to have to meet for a third time, right? And if Valentina wins, uh, actually, it doesn't matter. The winner of that fight, hopefully decisive enough, will be the greatest of all time. Now, if if Aspen Ladd can beat Jermaine Durandamy, sure, throw her in there. My thing is, Amanda Nunes already beat the brakes off of Jermaine Durandamy once and 
considering Jermaine Durandamy's inconsistency, I don't know if I want to see that again. I know Kat Zingano was like, beatable. Well, so are you, Kat, and you've been very beatable the last several years. One win since Amanda Nunes is, uh, since she beat Amanda Nunes. I want to see her win fights. Alexis Davis has beaten Amanda Nunes, but she's lost two fights in a row. So that ain't happening. Amanda Nunes, to me, is just the greatest female fighter ever. Julia Budd, Jermaine Durandamy, names I didn't even mention. Names I didn't even mention, and they're up there. Nobody has that resume, Joe. It's unbelievable. Even early on, like beating people like Gomez and Vanessa Porto, who were thought to be something back then. Just unbelievable, really awesome, good for her. For for Amanda herself, when you think about you know, Felicia Spencer's taking on Cyborg next. If Felicia can take out Cyborg, that's huge. That puts her right in line with Amanda Nunes, right? So that, that could be who could be next for Amanda Nunes, defending her 145-pound strap against Felicia Spencer. That's a fight that the UFC would do in a heartbeat because it's, it's a title. It's a title fight. And while everyone else at 135 sort of has to sort of get up there, uh, I think that could be next for Amanda Nunes, depending. Now, if Cyborg defeats... Felicia Spencer, do you run back Cyborg and Amanda Nunes? There's nothing really there. I mean, are you clamoring for it? No, I don't care about Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. I don't want to see. Right. I'd want to see Shevchenko and Nunes before that, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Holly Holm, rough spot, man. She's two and five in her last seven. She should be three and four in her last seven. But I got, I got the perfect opponent for her, Joe. Kat Zingano. I'll watch it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Kat Zingano, another person who, you know the UFC wants to keep relevant, one or yep. the other. Take your pick, 135, 145. Who gives a shit? Just book the fight. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I think it's one of those loser-goes-home matches, right? It's it's the winner stays, the loser has to reevaluate everything. Like And that fight, I mean, Holly Holm was caught like in no woman's land when she got nailed in the teeth with that high, that high kick. She was caught in, she basically froze herself in the middle of a technique, pulled back, stopped the technique that she was trying to execute, just leaving herself wide open for Amanda to land that kick. So uh, just, I, I don't know how to explain that. Uh, I've seen it happen with other fighters before, but just in no man's land. If you look, if you look closely at Matt Serra when he defeated George St. Pierre, George left himself in no man's land at one point. And got caught. It was more of a clothesline than an overhand punch, right? Uh, it, it was a cowboy Bob Orton with the cast on Roddy Roddy Piper back in the day, WWE or WWF uh, clothesline. Uh, that's what it really was. And same thing with Amanda Nunes and, and Holly Holm. Holly was in the middle of that. It looked like a, she was throwing a kick, but froze and stopped. And Amanda was like, bing, see ya. Game over. Speaking of bing, see ya, game over. Joe, I'll walk you through this. Nikita Krylov was Nikita Krylov fan was over rather Saturday night. <laughs> towards the end of the <laughs> towards the end of the intros, I go take a piss. I come back and I sarcastically say, "Masvidal already knock him out." And then I look in at the TV, and Astrid is lying on the ground. There are officials everywhere, and then I see what happened. Masvidal ran, hit a flying knee. Knocked out Askren. Now, Askren has been very humble in defeat. I don't want to say humble. Very frank in defeat. There's not a lot you can break down besides that Masvidal had the perfect plan. They had worked on this, as shown by Dustin Poirier. He posted the damn text message where they said he's going to hit a flying knee. What's up? Uh, Unbelievable. Now, if this was a playoff, Joe, like we mentioned, the, the who can impress who more, there ain't much more impressive than it gets than that. But as far as a, a straight resume standpoint, I still have Colby Covington over him. But this has been viewed millions and millions and millions of times already. This yeah. is huge. There are literally idiots who are writing articles saying, Miami's found their new UFC fighter. And I'm like, you dipshit. <laughs> what are you thinking? Oh, my. Joe, just open up. Tell me your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. Well, I mean, who was it? Felder's was it Felder's jaw that was dropped completely when that KO <laughs> took place? 
I mean, that's pretty much how I felt. I was like, whoa, like, good on you. I mean, it's not the first time it's happened. Just go watch Kid Yamamoto Miyata. I mean, that, that, that happened, you know, 13 years ago, I think. Uh, or, yeah, it happened a long time. Well, exact same thing. And that was actually a four-second knockout. Same sort of thing. Mixed martial artist taking on a, a wrestler. Uh, and Kid Yamamoto just flew through the air right off the bat, knocked him out, gone, yeah. simple. So the parallels the are so similar there, from story to everything. Yeah, so it's not the first time I've seen it, but to do it to Ben Askren is is very impressive. And you know, Masvidal has been a stud for a very, very long time. If you guys ever get a chance uh, to go to watch some of the Genghis Khan videos, uh, that that I don't know if he's still doing them, but he would record those guys way back when Masvidal uh, even might have been before like the Strike Force days, man. That dude's a degenerate gambler. He'll bet on anything. He'll bet on how long you know it takes someone across the street. Like he's he's crazy, and he just loves to fight. And like he's one of those guys that we would long consider uh, like a Diaz brother. Like they don't care. They they operate in a different frequency, and they are you know watch how I say this. Like from the streets, man. Like they're real. Like they they come from a place where if you talk, you you're gonna, you better back it up. And that's why he was. People were like. You know, they they were crapping on him afterwards about his post fight celebration. Man, that's a different dude. That's not you. That's not you that would not act that way. That's a guy that's like he took it. He took the verbal abuse. You'll see. You'll see. You're gonna have to back it up. You're gonna have to back it up. And then bang, landed that game over. I mean, good on Herzog for getting in there as quickly as he did. Uh, I read people criticizing Herzog. I'm like, are you insane? Yeah, that was unbelievable. Okay. First, okay, first a uh, couple things, Joe. You fight until the ref pulls you off. Yeah. Askren was okay with it. He said, yeah, I talked all that shit. I was expecting to eat a couple more if that happened. Number three, Joe, didn't Ben Askren get knocked out in his last fight and still manage to win it? That was, a, that was a thing that happened. Yep. You could literally knock a guy out and still not win the fight. Unbelievable. I, I love the comparison, uh, Kid Yamamoto Miyata. I'm talking like Olympic-level wrestler, talked all kinds of shit. The bell rang, knee to head, that's it. RIP Kid Yamamoto. Um, man, yeah, and that was <laughs> – oh, man. Uh, that uh, That is just well, well, an eerie comparison. When you saw the replay, what did you think? I don't know if I thought anything. I I mean, that's it's what we said. It's like Masvidal's the kind of guy that can give him trouble. I love what Chael Sonnen said. He was like, you think Masvidal's never been taken down? He has a lot. <laughs> Masvidal is, he made a name for himself. Isn't that wild? We're talking about a guy who'll be 35 this year. He's got, and this is a guy who we got to say, we, we don't have to say this very often, Joe. 50 fights that we know of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that we know of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Go on there, YouTube. You'll find plenty more. Yes. So there are, I think, 37 on record plus a professional boxing fight, yeah. uh, not including a lot of them were done in backyards. This is a guy who early, early, early in his pro MMA career was fighting Joe Lozon and Rafael Sunsau, and I think, like, I think I remember one of his first opponents was Rolando Delgado, who fought in the UFC later on. Like, he was fighting very tough dudes before he ever got there. He was in Bodog, and he was in Strike Force, and he was in Sengoku and Bellator. And, uh, like, I, I think he was on those Playboy shows, wasn't he? Like the Playboy uh, Mansion yeah, shows that Strike Force he was on Bodog. Yeah, he did a Strike Force. He did a Playboy Mansion show. Yeah, yeah. He fought Matt So, Lee. I mean, this guy has been around and he couldn't get together three or four wins. And see, the thing is, he never does get four wins together. It's always two or three, but he's got two at the right time, Joe. Yeah. And he's got two at the right time where, where there's another guy who should say that he's the champion in Colby Covington. But everybody wants Mosvidal. Yeah. It's. Not easy to do. Not easy to do. Do I think you would beat Usman? No, I don't. I don't. But holy crap, what a performance. Speaking of, Jan Blahovich knocked out Luke Rockhold. You know, that whole chin up, hands down thing doesn't usually work in MMA, Joe. <laughs> Wild. I, thought, I told you last week, man, I really thought Jan was going to win. I sincerely 
inside of me thought Jan was going to win. I just don't think Luke is the same fighter as he was before. Uh, and it was evidenced in this fight here, Sean. I mean, he just, maybe it was the staph infection. I don't know. The surgery, I don't know. But it was, I think if you look at the first round, and I think it was somewhere around the three or four minute mark, Luke kind of gives that old, yeah. Oh, I was like, dude, you have two more rounds to go here. You better get it together because this guy's going to, he's waiting to pop off on you. So, yeah. What's up with Blahovich now? I mean, he, he can't have a win like that. I mean, he, he did lose to Santos, so he can't run that one back exactly. But he's won four or five of his last six. And this is a guy who almost lost his way out of the UFC, Joe, like two years ago. or two Yeah, two years ago, he was coming off a loss to Patrick Cummins. Do you run back a fight with maybe Corey Anderson, which wasn't great, or somebody like that? I mean, you can't throw him in there against Manoa again. You ain't exactly going to sign Sokaju for the rubber match. But do you want to <laughs> risk the 36-year-old Blahovich beating a guy like Dom Reyes? Or do you maybe go with Johnny Walker? Is that the test? Johnny Walker, I think, is the test, to be honest with you. But I won't be surprised if they do run it back with Thiago Santos. Santos needs a win. But he's also going to be out for a while. Okay, If he does get surgery, he's going to be out for a while. So... It all depends on, 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 you know, nobody wants to see the Patrick Cummins rematch. No. I, whatever. That was a majority decision. Uh, is what it is. He's not going to get Alexander again. Um, you know, Corey Anderson might be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply the fight uh that people want to see afterwards but other than that he's he's stuck in a weird scenario i think for his case or for his sake just get on a john bones jones card fight whoever they tell you to fight and maybe the mma gods will be you know nice to you and the opponent will get injured and you could slide in and get a title shot that's it light heavyweight man i've been saying it for how long joe how long yeah if I've been saying I love this new blood, and John Jones thinks as much too. He was like, a lot of people think I've cleaned out this division, but I haven't. And I agree with him. Dom Reyes is around. Johnny Walker is around. Blahovich is around for better or for worse. I, I really love this division. I think it's the healthiest that the light heavyweight division has been in a long time. And from a marquee standpoint, it doesn't help. But I'll say this. Gustafson hitting the bricks helps the health of the division, I think. It's addition by subtraction, even though he's still listed in the rankings, but there are some nice names there. Um, also, I just want to go out and throw out there, Glover Teixeira is going to Von Flu choke and beat Nikita Krylov when they fight. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right, cool. Michael Chiesa looked awesome at 170. Just looked great. Beat Diego Sanchez, who was acting really weird. Arnold Allen looked like he... Uh, when I say put did out of... Did you just say Diego Sanchez was acting really weird? And you're yeah, surprised? He had, he had one lone corner man with no MMA experience. Yeah, I, that I, was... Doesn't that surprise was me, bro. Dumb. Doesn't surprise me. Doesn't yeah. Surprise. It's Diego, man. It's Diego. But elsewhere on the show, Arnold Allen beat Gilbert Melendez. You can't beat this guy with strikes. Uh, Marlon Vera beat Hernandez with a rear naked choke. Claudia Gadelia had a Claudia Gadelia performance. That was just weird. Song Yadong... That's the Cisco uh, hit smash. Uh, defeated Alejandro Perez via KO. Edmund Shabazian. Woo, he pissed all over our I got five on it. Yep. Dominated that one. Chance for encounter with a huge upset win over Nardaev. And Julia Avila over Panny Kianzad. Uh, my only thoughts here, 
Good for Gedalia. She's the top name in the division. Song Yadong is looking real good. <laughs> Arnold Allen, got to get on a top 15 opponent. Michael Chiesa looked great. Any uh, additional thoughts as we wrap up these guys? Uh, let me think here. Arnold Allen taking on Melendez. I mean, Melendez, I guess, is running out his contract. I mean, he's just he's, he's getting his final paydays. Uh, Marlon Vero is a, is a mean human being. Just mean. Mean. Very mean. Um, Yadong Song, that was brutal. That was nasty. Good for him. Uh, but the I guess the Gadea and Marcos fight, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Marcos doesn't surprise me when she fights like that. That's just, you know, Randa at times. You know, you, one, one minute you think she's just a dominating, she's dominating people. Uh, and then the next one, it's like, oh, did you, you know you're in a fight, right? Like, you know, this is International Fight Week and you know you got to sort of pick up the pace and you got a huge opportunity before you. And Claudia Gadea just, in her post-fight interview, she said it. That was the fight she had to fight. And I'm like, yeah, no, no. You know, don't you want to get back to a title shot? Like, you got to have that excitement factor. So, yeah, that's pretty much what stood out for me. So, but um, you know, I'm just gonna say it again. I love Diego Sanchez. Have you Go seen on. the payouts for this show? Um, oh, no, 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 don't look. Uh, no, no, don't look. The answer is no. We're gonna play a new game called "What They Get Paid." Okay. And you're gonna <laughs> guess what each fighter made on this show. Okay. This includes performance of the night bonus. George Masvidal. I would say hundred grand. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That a boy. The bonus. Ben Askren to get knocked out in four seconds, five seconds. Two hundred grand. Two hundred and ten grand. Very close. All right. Alejandro Perez. Oh God, I got no idea. Ten grand. Forty-two. Yeah, good for him. Not bad. Penny Kianzad. Uh, $15.20. Not far off. $12,000. Claudia Gedalia. 50 grand. 102,000. But her, her, uh, half and half was 52. So not, not bad. Tiago Santos. I would say at least 150. 350. Good. Good for him. He got paid. Good for him. Jan Blahovich, including his performance of the night bonus. Including the bonus? Yes. 100K. 142. Uh, good for him. Many of these are much more promising than, than I anticipated, to be honest with you. Uh, off the top of my head, it looks like there are about 13 people. All, maybe 14. No, there are like 14 people that made six figures on this show. Good. Here's the shocker. Song Yadong, including his performance of the night bonus, $140,000. Get paid, yeah. young man. Get just, you know, life-changing right there. Not life-changing, but game-changing, right? If you're smart with it, you know, get take care of that. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself, man. Buy a house. Don't be stupid. Don't buy a car. So Bellator just today released the full fight card for this weekend. I got to go to my inbox to pull it up. I saw that. But, I was like, really? Yeah, it's Bellator 224, Bud versus Ruben. Uh, so there's some interesting names on the prelims. Bruna Ellen is a women's flyweight fighter. She's facing Elena Kalyandu. We have Arlene Blenkow, who is a former title challenger against Amanda Bell, the old horsewoman killer. You have a women's featherweight fight. How about this one, Joe? Leslie Smith in action against Sinead Kavanaugh. That's not a bad fight. That's a good fight, yeah. I don't hate that fight at all. Does any of that stand out to you? Because, to be honest with you, anybody who wins on one of these shows, including Gabrielle Varga in her pro debut against Jameis Taylor, anybody who wins on this prelim show could just automatically get a title shot. It ain't that hard in Bellator. No, it's depth of any featherweight division, right? So it's, I mean, Ruben competing for the time once, but you're, you're bang on. I mean, Leslie Smith is one win away, right? I mean, in my opinion, she's what she, she, she takes out Sinead on this prelim card, tell shot. That, that, that's what it is right now. It's a, the division itself, and it's split between two promotions, really. Um, well, I guess you have uh, Invicta, technically. 
but yeah, the, there's not much depth at 145 pounds for the ladies. So Julia Budd just has to win and you know keep getting paid. So this show, the prelims don't have a lot else worth watching. Um, it just not there, just not there. But the main card, not bad. Ed Ruth against Kunimoto. I like that fight too. You put Ed Ruth in there, who's got seven fights now, so he's not an experienced guy, against a guy with 30 fights. See how he does. He stuttered a little bit. But I I think that Bellator does, in most cases, pretty well in bringing their prospects along, Joe. There are some that they brought along too quick, like Aaron Pico, but he's shown flashes that he belongs. What do you see as a ceiling for Ed Ruth right now? Keep going, man. Keep going. I mean, you take a Kunimoto, that's, that's impressive, man. Uh, you know, let's just continue to do it. I don't know. When you think about what hey, you're, you're cutting Pico. out, you're cutting out a little bit, Joe. So okay. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, you're cutting out a little bit. So I'll, uh, previews the rest of the, the stuff. Juliana Vasquez, that's the name I'm looking to. If she gets a win against Christina Williams, she's probably getting that title shot. But if Christina Williams wins, the former Heather Hardy slayer over an 8-0 fighter, she's probably getting the win. You also have Rafael Carvalho, Chidi Njikawani. Bellador has a real boner for Chidi Njikawani. Like, they love him. What stands out to you on this uh, very abbreviated Bellator main card? Ed Ruth. Ed Ruth in the, in the Kunimoto fight. I really like that fight. I want to see how that goes down at 170 pounds. Should be fun. Uh, you know, Carvalho and, and Chidi. Uh, it's a fun fight. you got to be a hardcore MMA fan to watch that. So um, I, I'm sure it'll give us some enjoyment. Not, not as what we would probably envision if, they, if these two were matched up uh, a year or two ago. But... Uh, I mean, the first fight in that main card has got me interested big time. Main event, Julia Budd in action, defending her title against Olga Rubin, the undefeated Olga Rubin, who nobody watching this show has heard of. (laughs) Ever. Ever. I mean, maybe if you watch Bellator religiously, you have. But she's 3-0. She beat Sandy Dandois. She's she's the next victim in my estimation. Do you think that she stands a chance against Julia Budd? We've seen Julia Budd put on performances that have raised our own eyebrows and be like, uh, what are you doing with Lance Gibson just reaming her in the corner saying, you need to pick up the pace. So um, on paper, Julia Budd wins this fight. No ifs, ands, or buts. But it depends on which Julia Budd shows up, in my opinion. right? Because she should be able to take out... Uh, Olga Rubin. I know Olga's fought for Belter, what, three times already? Um, four times, excuse me. Uh, he's been fighting since 2016, undefeated. Uh, maybe it's something we don't really have, we haven't paid attention to, Sean. Maybe she's just that good that she can take out Julia, but I doubt it. But uh, there's a lot of questions. There's more questions and answers heading into this fight. So let the ladies compete. Let them, let them go uh, at each other. But in my opinion, it all depends on which Julia Bud shows up. Well, guys, I will not be showing up this Saturday for UFC Sacramento. We will review that show here. And as wide as the lines were for UFC 239, they were not on uh, this UFC Sacramento show. Some really, really close ones. We have Benito Lopez, a plus 125. Vince Morales, a minus 145. Jonathan Martinez, a plus 115. Louis Pignon, a minus 135. One I'm interested in, a plus 100, Livia Renata Souza. Brianna Van Buren, a minus 120. You have Andre Feely, a plus 100. Shaman Marias, a minus 120. John Allen, a big line difference here. Plus 310. Mike Rodriguez, a minus 400. You have Cesar Ferrara, a plus 125. Marvin Vittori, a minus 145. Carl Roberson, minus 225. Wellington Terman, a plus 185. Before we get into any other fights, are there any lines or fights there that really stand out to you? Not a lot of exceedingly important fights. It's all Feely versus Mariah should be good. I'm interested in Van Buren versus Livia Renata Souza. There, there are some interesting fights here. There, there definitely are here. Uh, I like the Van Buren fight as well. The value is, um, th- there isn't much value until we get to some other fights uh, that we're going to talk about shortly. 
Uh, but other than that, they're just fights that, you know, I hearken back all the time, Sean. Like, you know, what, what do these fights really mean? There is one fight I think you're going to mention shortly that, that does have some sort of significance. But other than that, I'm all about the same soapbox I've been, you know, been on forever. I want to see fights that matter, fights that mean something, fights that have relevance to the division uh, immediately. Not, well, if you win this fight, then you got to win one more. Or if you lose this, you're in trouble. No, just give me a fight that means something. So. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in a lot of these main card fights, but there's a prelim fight that I'm particularly interested in. Juliana Pena, minus 170. Nico Montano, a plus 150. The former, technically, flyweight champion in Nico Montano. Uh, she's finally fighting. They're, it got messy for a while, Joe. She has not fought since 2017. So that's a year and a half out, and she's going in there against Juliana Pena. That is a tall task, Joe. Is it one that she can overcome? And it's at 135 pounds. Yes. All right. So it remains to be seen what will come of Nico Montano. Now, Juliana coming off that armbar loss to Valentina Shevchenko way back in 2017 remains to be seen how she is going to deal uh, with Nico, who you know who's been out just as long. Right. So it's interesting to note what this one will mean. For the division, um, I, I, I'm still puzzled. Um, I'm sure it's out there, but it'd be nice to see, you know, why she had 125 pounds, Nico, right, or, or 135. I'd rather much see her compete at 125. Why are you, why are you not in the division where you you won the Ultimate Fighter, right? I, I guess that 10 pounds could be a lot. It could be terrible. It could be difficult uh, to deal with. But um, you know, let's be honest here. She she's kind of stepping in here. Is it's it's not really short notice but you know sir mcmahon having to pull out nico coming in interesting to note also interesting to note that juliana pena has not fought since 2017 and we're talking early 2017 she doesn't have a win since the week we launched fightful joe yeah she's had a lot of stuff happen she's just she's had a lot of things sidetrack her and sideline her and been through a lot um she was also pregnant at the time yeah i mean there's there's i mean there's a ton i mean from court cases to knee injuries to pregnancies she's had a lot of stuff that's kept her out of the cage joe so i think this is a fair booking like when i look at this i don't see ufc being vindictive and being like oh okay well you know what you're gonna face uh, juliana pena who very well if she would have beat valentina shevchenko would have been in line for a title shot without a doubt yeah yeah and she's missing a few screws, man. I'll tell you right now, I, I've, I've hung out with Juliana Pena with a, with a few other fighters, uh, Cody McKenzie. So, I mean, like, that's all you need to know about that evening. Boy, that's uh, a night. Yeah. So there was a bunch of us that were all hanging out. You know, a good, I think we were 15, 20 of us, and, and they were part of it all. And I would not want to mess with Juliana Pena ever. Uh, so, And the fact that she's been gone for quite some time. Uh, so is Nico. I think you're right. I think the matchmakers did a good job putting this one together. It's two ladies that haven't competed in a while. And let's see who's back in shape. Let's see who's back. Let's see who's who's got it. And I'm obviously leaning towards Juliana Pena in this one here. But, you know, I won't be surprised if Montana can pull it off. It's just that all of us, I would think the majority of us, uh, aren't sold on Nico right now. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I don't know what this fight will really tell me. I'm interested in it because it's two people, uh, Pena, who – was real close to a title shot, has beaten people like uh, Baszler, Jessica I, Kat Zingano. And then you got the first champion, Nico Montano, fighting in the division that she should really be in. Yeah. And because of the layoffs, I, like I said, I just don't know what this fight tells me, but I'm interested in it. I'm also very interested in Mirsad Bechtet, a minus 155, taking on Josh Emmett, a plus 135. This is a pretty good quality fight. Joe, when I look at this card... I see Simone in favor. That wasn't going to be anywhere else. I see Elkins and Hall, Ladd and Durandamy. I see this fight. I see Pena and Montano. I don't know why at least one of those fights wasn't put on the UFC 240 show later this month. Pena versus Montano probably should have been. If if it gets pulled off of this show, it doesn't lose anything. It's a prelim fight, at least as of right now. If you add that to the UFC 240 main card, you get to say former champion against former tough winner, at least to kind of add some luster to that. But as I look at things, this is a deeper show than what I don't want to say deeper. Cause you got 
some pretty elite talent on 240. It just runs too deep. But why why do you think that they they constructed it like this? I don't know. I to be honest with you, I don't know. It's scheduling for the fighters, I guess, but this this fight this card here could have been split up like you said. Um but at the same time, this is when the fighters are available. This is what they all do. I don't know. I mean, remember that this this show is taking place in Sacramento. Uh, and they eventually added Uriah Faber to the card, which, you know, yeah, it wasn't going to be anywhere else. Yeah. Right. So the fact that adding Uriah Faber to this card means you're probably going to sell out the Golden One Center, right? Uh, not having Uriah Faber on this card maybe means you don't sell out. That, that's another thing right there, right? So. Up net, well, Josh Emmett's uh, up, like, like I mentioned, taking on Mirsad Bektich. I like this fight too. This is a good high level fight. Uh, and value. That, yeah, there's some value there too. Uh, Josh Emmett, when I, I look at him, uh, by the way, I, I think Elkins versus Hall is in the prelims. I don't understand that either. But uh, Bektich has won, gosh, I think he's got one loss and it was to Elkins. He's, I want to say, four or six and one in the UFC, maybe seven and one in the UFC. Josh Emmett has won three of his last four. He's got a, a KO win over Michael Johnson. He's beaten Ricardo Lamas. Not people at their peak, but uh, I look at Mirsad Bektic, and I think he might be near his peak. How do you see this when uh, Bektic has been out for a while, over over a year now? Does that affect him? Um, yeah, I think so. I think there's going to be some rust there. I'm not nothing to watch Emmett. Remember that Michael Johnson fight, he's losing that fight. He had to commit that third round and win. And he did. He got that kill punch uh, on Johnson. Uh, that loss to Jeremy Stevens was a brutal one. Uh, but he was on a good little run there. Remember that. He took out Aranches and they took out Ricardo Lamas. People were really paying attention to Josh Emmett and his power uh, and how he can hurt people and knock people out. And then Jeremy Stevens got involved and that ended pretty quick. But then he came right back and he started. It didn't look really good in that Johnson fight, like I said, but showed heart and resolve and realized, I got nothing to lose now. I'm losing two rounds. I think it was two rounds he was losing. And he came out in the third and ended up getting that win. And there wasn't much time left. It was in the last minute of that third round. So uh, I'm actually going to go for Josh Eminence if I lean towards him and not Mursad. You have Ryan Hall, who is an exceptional grappler, taking a fight against Darren Elkins, and I'm kind of surprised. It seemed like Hall was only going to take like those these odd, like <laughs> yeah. quote-unquote super fights. You know, the GOAT Artem Lobov, uh, Gray Maynard, BJ Penn. Like he fight, faced a lot of big names. Elkins is on a slide over the last year. After going on arguably the greatest run of his career, he's now lost two fights in a row. He is even money with uh, Ryan Hall. They're minus 110s. Darren Elkins is easily the, the better well-rounded fighter, without a doubt. Do you think that he's well-rounded enough to keep Ryan Hall from taking him down and submitting him? Because as we've seen, Ryan Hall can pull stuff out of nowhere, like with the BJ Penn fight. Uh, Darren Elkins is a much more formidable opponent than BJ Penn or Artem Lobov ever thought about being, or Johnny Nunez, or France Saloa, or anybody like that. And we've seen Saul Rogers take him to a two-round decision. We've taken Gray, seen Gray Maynard and Artem Lobov take him to decision. I don't know that Hall can beat Elkins on the scorecards. That's my thing. I, that would be shocking to me, considering the kind of fighter that Darren Elkins is. What do you think? Yeah, Elkins is going to have to be very, very careful. As, as you know, I mean, it's it's not stating anything overly intelligent there. It's obvious. Stay away from Ryan Hall. Don't let him clinch you. Uh, and you know he's going to go for the, that that sort of spin or that spin the the drop knee, uh, trying to attack the knee, rolling into the knee bar. Uh, he'll always try and get a hold of someone's leg. Uh, just you got to be careful. You got to be on point. You got to be on your toes. You got to be on your bike, but you have to engage him because if you don't engage him, it could be a boring fight. He'll lull you to sleep, lull you with some stuff that you just, you're not even paying attention to. And before you know it, look how, look who upset Gray Maynard was in that fight, right? It's just like, dude, this guy doesn't want to fight, but he's winning, right? He's winning. And that's what Ryan Hall does. He just doesn't want to engage. Uh, you know, he's the old school grappler jujitsu guy that just nah I don't want to take punches bad I don't even want to throw punches I just want to get a hold of you and break a limb and that's all he's going to want to try and do here uh on Saturday night so it remains to be seen what Elkins does uh to avoid any of that but it's hard to say because when I think of a Ryan Hall fight I'm expecting 15 minute boredom but I'm also expecting oh my don't blink just don't blink 
It's a long 15 minutes, but don't blink because it can change in a heartbeat. Uriah Faber's retirement status changed in a heartbeat. He's a plus 260 against Ricky Simone, and I think those are fair odds, Joe. Ricky Simone is 3-0 and in the UFC. Should he be 2-1 and after that Dababashvili fight? Probably. He's very active. Uh, since Faber last fought, Simone is, I think, 8-0. and And I'm talking runs on Contender Series, LFA, uh, UFC. He's, he's done very well. Uriah Faber has not fought since December 2016 against a guy who was also at the end of his career. Uh, other than that, he's won about maybe one or two fights a year here and there. He isn't a top level, and I'm sure he'll sell some tickets in Sacramento, but I see Ricky Simone taking this one. I see it go into the scorecards probably because, uh, let's be honest, Faber has never been an easy guy to finish. I think Mike Brown's the only person that I think really should have finished him because I didn't see what I think Herb Dean saw in the Burrell fight necessarily. But then again, I don't know how things have changed in the last two and a half years, though, though Joe. I don't know what the hell's going on with Faber. To Maybe he doesn't have a chin anymore. How do you see this one going? There's a lot of question marks. Not tons of question marks, but I know that plus 260 has me putting five on your right, Faber. Sure. That's for sure. I mean, uh, you just—it's—it's it's weird. We know so much about about the California kid, but right now we don't know much, right? We know what his history was like, and you know our vintage brains might go back and say this guy would kill Ricky Simone uh, if if they, you know if Uriah was in his prime. But you know, people are putting a lot of funds, and the odds makers have a minus three twenty on Ricky Simone. There's probably a reason for that, but. It's Uriah, could be super motivated, could be full of adrenaline, you know, hometown. I got tons of energy and yada, yada, yada. So, again, it all depends on, on what happens there. Uh, Ricky Simone should defeat Uriah Faber, but not at plus 260, son. I will take that all day, every day when it comes to Uriah Faber in Sacramento. So, yeah. Main event time, Aspen Ladd, a favorite, minus 165. Jermaine Durandamy, the former featherweight champion, a plus 145. Trivia for you, Joe. When's the last time Durandamy fought more than one time in a calendar year? Never. 2011. That's the only time. The only time. At least in MMA. She did it a bunch in kickboxing. Uh, but as we mentioned, you know, she's 8-3. and three, But she has 37 that we know of kickboxing fights. It's a lot. She is a very, very good striker. She's a very precise striker. She's a technical striker. Taking on the young Aspen Ladd, 24 years old, Joe. And as I've mentioned with Aspen Ladd, though she is young, though she is 8-0, she has nine amateur fights on her record, too. The only loss being to, to Cynthia Calvillo when Ladd was, I think, 19, maybe? Maybe 19? And since then, she has beaten some real badasses, Joe. Sajara Eubanks, Tanya Evinger, Lena Landsberg, some real tough women. I don't know if she's fought anybody with the technical ability of Jermaine Durandamy, but this is a hell of a main event. Is it worthy of getting people in and viewing the show? I don't know about that. But is it a top-level fight? It is. And if Aspen Ladd wins, she is getting that title shot. There ain't no way I think that... Caitlin Vieira gets it over her. But a few questions. Does Durandamy show up to fight? <laughs> if she does, how does she look? Who do you got in this one? I got, in the main event, Uriah Faber defeating Ricky Simone. <laughs> Honestly, Jermaine Durandamy, we just don't know. We just don't know. Um, it's On paper, she should be able to outstrike Aspen Ladd. She should be able to pick her apart, considering she's got 25 minutes to do so. Uh, Aspen Ladd just has to put the pressure on her, close the distance. Do not let Randomy get off those knees and elbows, get her off her feet uh, and control her. Uh, but it's all about conditioning. You know, it's all about conditioning in this fight and stamina. And how much do you have? And at age 24, I believe Aspen Ladd has plenty. Uh, she's just got to be methodical. But, you know, like you said, I don't think people are clamoring. Uh, to tune into this show because of this main event. Uh, it's the co-main event people are paying attention to and a couple of the other fights as well. So um, even though Aspen's a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I think she can still do uh, a lot of damage to Jermaine Durandamy if this fight 
ends up going to the ground. We all know that, you know, randomly has got, what, 40, 35, 40 uh, kickboxing fights. She's been competing in MMA for quite some time, 11 fights there. So very experienced. You just got to part of Last year was the first year since 2013 that Jermaine Durandamy hadn't pulled out of a fight. So I'm going to give you guys my I got five on it. And that being said, I'm going to go with Jermaine Durandamy at plus 145 just because of the experience factor, because of her technical ability. I got to at least take a flyer on it. Uriah Faber plus 260. There are a lot of question marks. I, I think the Cinderella story would be kind of fun there. Why not? Why not? Also, John Allen plus 310 against Mike Rodriguez, just because that line is a little bit wide. I got to go with that. Joe, the Raptors lost Kawhi. Yeah. What do you got going on this week? Sadness? Well, Are you going to cry? No, not at all. Probably I mean, not. Probably yeah. not. If anyone saw my my post on my Instagram, or actually all my social media, uh, Joey Ferraro, by the way, uh, regarding yes. when the Raptors won, I talked about Kawhi. It was, it was, it was long. But I talked about Kawhi Leonard flat out, and I said, if, I, I'm more leaning towards him leaving. And if he leaves, I'm not losing any sleep about it whatsoever. I know what it's like to, to travel. I know what it's always like to be home. I know what it would be like to be, you know, I've received offers for a fair amount of money to go somewhere else outside of my comfort zone of home. Uh, and I know what it's like to turn it down. Did I turn down $160 million? No. But... The guy's made so much money, and he just wanted to go home. So, hey, you know what? Thank you very much for the championship. The crazy part is I've got Kawhi Leonard jerseys still coming in the mail. I'm waiting for them to show up. I bought one for my son and I, and I told him, I said, look, you understand if I press order on these, Kawhi Leonard may not be a Raptor by the time these things get here. And he's, you know, the eight-year-old said flat out, he goes, doesn't matter. He brought us a championship. People can laugh at us all they want. Submit. Bye. Boom. Ordered. So uh, when those jerseys come in, Sean, I will wear them proudly, and I'll take the heat from all the Toronto Raptors fans that are pissed off that he left. But he went home. Good for him. Got us a championship. Got a, got a championship. Yeah. So well, Guys, good. follow Joe at Joe A. Ferraro. Follow us at Fightful MMA. Follow me at Sean Ross App. I will have a quick results video up on the UFC Sacramento show this weekend, but I will be covering Fight for the Fallen, AEW. But hey, visit Fightful MMA. we got all kinds of news over there. Over 1,000 comments. And our UFC 239 live coverage. Thank you to that Talking MMA community for joining us. If you all want somebody to talk to you during the show, head over there. Our live chats are always wild. Thank you, guys. We're out.